everyone, and thank you for the download. Depending on my editing speed, it's either Thursday, February 4th, or Friday, February 5th. And this is episode 31 of the Marty Called Podcast. I'm Tim Grassy, and today I'm joined by my co-host, the Salt Nasaki. What's up, Josh? Pitter-patter, let's get at her. All right. And Skipper Ben, how you doing, Ben? If Tim would hurry his ass up, we could be the first podcast uh, online that reviews Super Mario Worlds. So let's go. <laughs> could happen. Before let's we get, get into that... I think we need to talk about Eric Idle shitting on Figment. <laughs> I was trying to find a way to uh, introduce one of you as a, uh, what is little it, an, an, an animated little fucker, but yeah. uh, <laughs> I figured that Ben usually makes those types of jokes, so I didn't want to step on his toes. We've reached our mature rating right off the bat. <laughs> yep. I'm sure you guys saw this. I loved it. I mean, because I hate the current version of Imagination, so... <laughs> more power to him and we think of the celebrities that do these attractions as as fans and they're certainly not necessarily fans and Eric Idle pointedly said that he has never been on the attraction so well, I love that the odds I'm not a fan of the current version either and I have to believe now that the odds of him being invited back to do whatever they overhaul it with is not good, or not good so <laughs> probably I not. think that's I think that's a boon for the future of the ride I need to pay attention to his scenes a little closer next time because I'm halfway convinced he was high while shooting it because it doesn't seem like he remembers <laughs> at all what he did in, in in shooting the scenes for this attraction. So we need to look at his eyes a little bit closer next time uh, at the first scene in the in the ride. What precipitated this is he uh, was po- a, a picture was posted of Figment. And it looked very similar to another project that he worked on with Don Rickles. And I got to be honest, I wouldn't blame him. If he didn't give two shits about either animated project, he's not going to remember which one. And he was just giving like a cursory, hey, hey, yeah, it was fun to work with Don Rickles. And it just blew up on him. So (laughs) anyway. They should rename Figment Don Rickles. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) To make make Eric Idle correct. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Journey into your imagination with Don Rickles. That would be a – you talk about oh, an explicit rating. That would definitely uh, transform that ride. Oh, absolutely. I'd be 100% on board. Absolutely. It's going to be a hard get though. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're going to have to use the seance room. The, uh, the line from Goodwill Hunting, not without some serious smelling salts and a heater. Are we going to get Don Rickles? <laughs> uh, speaking of uh, smelling salts and dead things. Uh, this is a horrible transition. That doesn't oh, wow. make any sense. Wow, I'm a little. I'm, I, I feel I can hear the fans typing in their response emails to you right now. <laughs> let's let's pretend that that didn't happen, but it's going to stay in the show anyway. Uh, Episode thirty one, Necromancers. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, Trader Sam and Chief Nami, um, who, while not necessarily necromancers, uh, apparently are fans of the dark arts, and uh, that in itself may be on the chopping block as part of some Jungle Cruise updates. Uh, ben is our resident Jungle Cruise expert. Um, I'm sure you saw the updates, as as did the rest of us. But what are your thoughts on the uh, on the updates to the Jungle Cruise? Never been on the ride. Don't know oh, okay. what they're doing. <laughs> you just you just you know as a skipper, but you never actually paid attention. Or- Long time <laughs> skipper, first time rider. <laughs> <laughs> that 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 joke of uh, keep your eyes open because mine are going to be closed. I took that very seriously. Oh, there you go. Uh, so. <laughs> Uh, I don't, I honestly, I don't mind it. Uh, I, I think the thing that we discussed a few weeks ago or a few weeks ago, for a few years ago, as far as we know, is, uh, our recording schedule, uh, a few <laughs> episodes ago, we'll just go that way. Um, was the possibility of this ride having an update, but it being centered around the new movie coming out and, right. you know, the fears of the rock, uh, being the new narration of, of the boat and whatever, 
you know, else they might shove down our throats from that, that film. Uh, this does not look like it's going in that direction whatsoever. It does look like it's staying with, uh, the, the, classic look and feel and comedy of the Jungle Cruise. So if we are going to get updates to this ride, I'm glad they're going in this direction. I think it was pretty inevitable that uh, they were going to do something to some of the show scenes uh, here. And, you know, honestly, we don't know exactly what they're doing. It's it's a lot of speculation outside of the the one scene that they have shown us so far. But as far as I'm concerned, if if, as long and I love The Rock, but as long as he's not there at the end of the ride uh, selling his shrunken heads, uh, (laughs) I I should be okay with with what they're planning on doing uh, with this update. So what they've shown was a picture of the Rhino Lost Safari scene. And they replaced the animat- they're replacing the animatronics on the totem pole, which is not the first time that that's happened, at least in Disneyland, um, with with a true lost safari. And uh, we're we're representing a variety of different cultures, but more importantly to me, I think they're representing the society of explorers and adventurers. And anytime subtly or not subtly, they can put those into the park. I just kind of love that story conceit that uh, weaves together multiple parks. I don't. I don't really object to that update at all. Um, and then there's another scene with a uh, sunken boat, which uh, for those that were around on the Jungle Cruise last January, I believe that might be a little bit of PTSD. But uh, yeah. chimps, ch- chimps <laughs> took over a boat. And I mean, who doesn't like chimps? Chimps are fun. Uh, I don't know that the scene that is likely replacing the headhunter scene is one that is, yes, it's iconic in as much as it is part of a classic attraction, but I don't think it's anywhere near as iconic as, say, the auctioneer sequence in Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, Feel free to disagree with me, uh, either of you guys, but I'm guessing you're on the same page. Yeah, I mean, my thoughts, as much as I sometimes struggle with change to attractions. Here we go. (laughs) Well, I think I might be surprised at my reaction to this. I think that that attraction is much less about the scenery and much more about the skipper and the narration. So I think there's a lot more that can be changed as far as, you know, the aesthetic and the scenery goes without really affecting the heart and soul of that ride much more so than almost any other attraction there. So I, I, in fact, I suspect that people hadn't ridden it who have not ridden it in a while might not even notice, you know, those sorts of changes. So, you know, I question, and I don't know, whose narrative this was, but I heard some talk about, you know, this was motivated by, uh, you know, a desire to increase diversity and inclusion. And I just sort of gave that a little bit of side eye because a, I'm not sure how you actually do that in that attraction and B, you know, I'll, I'll, as much as it uh, might surprise people, I'm going to refer back to something that Chris Wakefield said many times, you know, to the extent that, uh, you know, there's an underrepresentation in, a, in the ranks of Imagineering of, you know, diverse culture and people of color and ostensibly other, uh, you know, cultures as well. Uh, you know, I, it, it's odd to me when I hear, a, you know, a multinational corporation saying they're making some changes in order to promote diversity. And then the video that they show is like a parade of, you know, white people explaining how awesome <laughs> it is. It's like, I think that if you really want an, if you're a company that produces artistic creations as your, uh, you know, if that's your work product and you want those things to represent the experiences of a diverse group of people, the way that you do that is you include that diverse group of people in the, in the team that designs them. You don't have a bunch of self-loathing, loathing white people go in there and, uh, you know, say, Oh, look how diverse and inclusive we are because we changed out an animatronic. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, to me, you know, as a white dude, um, who I don't claim to be an expert in this area at all, but I, I almost find it to be pandering and I would 
suspect that to some people it might even be insulting. You know, if you want to represent a wide variety of culture, just do it, you know, don't cheapen it by making a publicity stunt out of it. And, you know, touting your motives as though you're entitled then to get a pat on the back. To me, that really calls into question what the motive is for what they're doing. Uh, I, I stand by a much simpler ideology, which is don't be a scumbag. Hire the best people, no matter where they come from and what they look like. If there's a complete dearth of people from a certain group, then, you know, do something to encourage young people in that group to study in high school and college, the sorts of things that will make them viable candidates and then let them run wild. And all of a sudden, everything that you create will be, uh, you know, Im imbued with their uh, worldview. So I, I don't know, to me, the organic solution here does a much better job of getting to the root of the problem than saying we reskinned a bunch of animatronics. That's a very thin treatment on what seems to me to be uh, largely an attempt to cash in on what is a very popular social trend right now. I don't even, I mean, I understand the sentiment of not wanting to uh, uh, insult people. Obviously, that that makes sense. And there are components of this attraction that... Good luck with that. <laughs> while, while they are, um, they're over the top in their representation of uh, various cultures, it's done as a parody and... That being said, eliminating things like the headhunter sequence, I, I don't, I don't have a problem with it as the natural evolution of the attraction. Not even, not even connected to what it's implying from uh, a belief system of the of these tribes. You know what I mean? Like I, I think it's you can evolve an attraction like this by changing out scenes. As we said, the the attraction itself is driven so much by the skipper's uh, wit and their ability to uh, uh, to interact with the sequences around them. So you yeah, change those sequences, then the the skipper is still going to make or break your attraction. And uh, the the piece that I think people may start to object to is if they swap out the final figure, either of Trader Sam in Disneyland or Chief Nami in Disney World. And that's where I think we're going to see the quote-unquote skipper storyline represented and have a skipper be the last figure in the attraction uh, as opposed to either of, those, uh, either of those guys. And I also would not be surprised if this is designed in such a way that if the movie is successful, certain things can be swapped out, such as The Rock for that final figure. I don't think that that's a ridiculous statement to say, but they did explicitly say that there is nothing related to the movie directly part of this update. Yeah, I mean, the one thing that you said in there that scares me is the idea of, you know, trying to tweak everything so you don't offend anyone, because you'd have to steamroll the whole place to do that. You know, there's, unfortunately, I think if you're going to entertain, if you're going to you know, arouse emotion in people, there are going to be some people that respond to that in a way that you don't want. I mean, that's just the nature. If you really want to talk about diversity and inclusion, you have to acknowledge that, that as humans, we are different from one another, even if we have similar upbringings and backgrounds. You know, there's, there is no such thing as a safe joke. And if there were, it wouldn't be a funny one. So, yeah. um, yeah, you know, that, that, oh, go ahead. I was just gonna, you know, I don't envy Disney in this, you know, we took on the idea of having an arm show uh, arm show, an armchair. Uh, you I know, got the show. gun show right here. <laughs> an arm yes. wrestling show. I've seen that gun show. Gun show. That's a potato <laughs> gun. <laughs> but um, you know, 
I think the Disney company faces a pretty big challenge here in deciding where they're going to draw the line. And I think you have to be willing to. That line is always moving. It's tough to do. Yeah. I was going to say that I heard a pretty interesting conversation on a podcast today with Jerry Seinfeld and Kevin Hart, and they were talking about the same deal and kind of the. Not really going into the cancel culture. They were talking culture, about the Jungle Cruise? I should listen they to were that. Talking about, they, they were talking about – I like both of those guys. <laughs> they do. Uh, it's, I don't know. Maybe it plays a little bit close here to what Disney has to deal with as well. But Jerry Seinfeld basically put it, you know, comedy is a fluid. It's not a solid. Mm-hmm. And it changes over time. And what was funny at one point isn't necessarily funny now. The the times change and it's it's the jobs of comedians to find out what that new line is and yeah. and and figure out how those things work for a certain time period. And Disney finds themselves at that same time. I mean you you do I do think you have to date back to when these things were made and when they sure. were built, when they were constructed and you know, it is easy to to be very critical of uh, some of these things 30 years later. And Disney, I think, finds themselves in that spot right now of how to how to make these things fluid and still keep the essence of what they wanted the attraction to be, while also going within somewhat of the uh, the acceptableness of what you know the the current society deals with. Sure. Yeah, and, and it's it's tough. If, if you compare it, what's interesting to me is Disney is a film company, right? So they made. I mean, that's how they started. And mm-hmm. when you make a film. At some point, you know, in the beginning, you have control over the script, you have control over what you shoot, then you have control over how you edit it. But at some point, the powers that be declare that thing to be done. And then it is what it is. For, Unless for you're George of, Lucas. For all of eternity. Yeah. Well, that, you saw that <laughs> went over. Um, you know, attractions are different in that respect is that they, they can be evolved. But I think one question that is not unreasonable to ask is, you know, how, at what point is it no longer that attraction? And- you know, as much as we've stood here and said many times that um, we'd almost rather see them replace something than do an overlay, um, you know, I think that's a that's a tough balance to strike. Is when can you adjust sure. something so that it conforms to accepted social norms, and when do you have to to just start over? And uh, you know, I don't claim to know the answer to that, but it's certainly an interesting conversation, and I'd love to hear. I'd love to be a fly on the wall in Imagineering. I think. I think I might also be very irritated by how that conversation went. I'd rather went, be a person but. actually to be in the, to be in there. Okay, <laughs> that's. You know what? I'm not. Uh, I'm not shooting high enough here. <laughs> you have no idea how high I could fly. <laughs> yeah. Okay. A person in. I would. I'd be, I'm curious to know how that goes, and if there is back and forth, or if there is so much, is it an echo chamber to where uh, they all just want to go in a very PC direction? I suspect there's probably some battles that take place. Probably, probably. Uh, we've talked about this uh, in a variety of different ways, most recently on the uh, the Splash Mountain discussion. Um, I'll be honest, this isn't the, the show for these types of deep conversations about the actual difficult conversations about uh, about race, about, about things like that, uh, and Disney's yeah. role in it. I think looking at it from strictly a an enhancement to an existing attraction, never minding the why I have zero issue with this. I think yep. it, it looks like this will be in the same vein as the original. And I look forward to seeing it being done. I just hope that it doesn't coincide with one of our trips uh, because it's my brother's favorite attraction. So we would, we would have to reschedule a trip if it happened to coincide with that. Cause I would expect this is probably going to be at least a two to three month update. I have no problem with it, and there's a there's a good reference point 
to this because over the last few years, one of my absolute favorite things to do at Disney World is the Jingle Cruise, mm-hmm. where they go in there and they change scenes and they add props, they change the jokes, and it's still uh, even on my last trip. Uh, a few months ago, I actually totally forgot that the Jingle Cruise was being put in until mm-hmm. I walked in the Magic Kingdom that day, and I was as happy about getting to ride Jingle Cruise as I was Rise of the Resistance <laughs> days later. That's, that's how much I enjoy it. And that to me, they, they've already dipped their toes into how the public would respond to changing some stuff uh, on that attraction. And mm-hmm. at least when it comes to the uh, holiday overlay, there's there's nothing negative about it. Cool. Uh, and... Again, they're they're not changing the entire ride. They are changing, uh, and the stuff that they are changing definitely falls within the parameters of what we've all come to expect from that ride. So I think I think anything that they're planning on doing here, the concept art for the boat scene looks great. Yeah. It looks fantastic, and uh, you know we'll see what else they end up doing throughout there. There's, I mean, the, if they wanted to go through and do the temple scene and redo that whole area, there are areas on that ride that can definitely be plussed and make for a much better experience. So it's not like we're already dealing with a ride that is, you know, at the absolute top of its game. There are areas on there that they can make this an even better ride. And and I'm glad they're taking the chance to do it. And if they're correcting anything that they might think be an issue or make any guests possibly uncomfortable and going in there and and, and updating some of those things for those reasons, there's no problem with that. A lot of people look at, uh, classic attractions like this uh, and want to uh, every Imagineer wants to put their stamp on the Haunted Mansion and Pirates of the Caribbean I would think of those classic attractions Jungle Cruise was probably the most vulnerable for a variety of reasons um, it's it's a high uh, cost attraction to run because you've got the uh, the skipper I get paid so much it, t- it takes up a lot of real estate and it's of those three, the least popular of those three. Uh, and it's all also, the animals you got to feed. It's, and the that's animals, expensive. yeah. <laughs> but you could take those animatronics and put them with the other animatronics over at the Animal Kingdom. So you do have that. I'm but, looking up the price of hydraulic fluid right now. <laughs> <laughs> but the uh, part of the reason why I think this is a good thing is if there was a, uh, a need for a stay of execution for this attraction, this shows that this attraction isn't going anywhere for a while. Yeah. Um, and that, as a Grassy family favorite, presumably as a uh, Skipper Ben family favorite, uh, that in itself is uh, is, a, is good news. So I'm pleased about that. But do we have anything else on Jungle Cruise, or should we move on to Mario Kart? Mario oh, Kart, it is. Oh boy. So uh, yeah, I have a, thoughts. <laughs> about, <laughs> I know about a week ago, about a week ago, uh, video was released on the, a full ride through of the Mario Kart attraction in Tokyo. We speculated what would happen in this back in episode 11 when we talked about Epic Universe. Uh, and I think we talked about similar concepts when we were doing a Wreck-It Ralph-based show. Uh, yep. And I believe that was episode 6. I have my own thoughts, but it seems like the two of you are itching to uh, <laughs> to talk here. So find it out which one of you wants to go J- first. Jo- well, Josh, go first. I, well, I, I was going to say, so Ben was the first person in our private chat to mention that he had a lot to say. So I think it would be disrespectful for me to go first. So I'll go first now. <laughs> <laughs> way, way, way to smell what I'm stepping in, buddy. <laughs> go ahead, Ben. Uh, okay. Well, this isn't going to be positive right off the bat. I, I, let me get this out of the way first. The land looks fantastic. Yep. The theming, the design, everything when you're walking in and around, the music, everything. I really didn't know which way you guys were going to go, and I'm glad that we're in agreement. <laughs> the, the land looks fantastic. We'll go to Yoshi's Adventures. I don't want to spend a whole lot of time here because it doesn't look like the people who designed the ride spent a lot of time there either. Uh, 
uh, whatever. I mean, it's it, and I don't mind. I, I love the people mover. I love slow ride. I mean, there's just it's this it's slow and plotting. I guess it gives you that view up over everything. You get a nice nice bird's eye view of the the entire land. There's some interactive stuff on it that make a couple audio animatronics barely move. Uh, that's cool. Whatever. Mario Kart. I I'm I wonder if there's ever been a bigger miss with what was promised and then what was delivered than Mario Kart. And I know anybody listening to this is going to bash me on that. You know, you can't say it's an AR experience. You guys hate Universal. You, you hate Universal. <laughs> you you can't say this until you actually get to see it because the augmented reality makes Derek it. Derek doesn't listen to it. I was just, I was just literally picture Derek typing feverishly. <laughs> <laughs> How do you make a Mario Kart ride? So literally, I'm driving home with my eight-year-old daughter tonight, and I'm telling her, oh, there's video of the Mario Kart ride, and we can watch it tonight, and you won't believe it. It's a slow, dark ride. And she so, looked at so me ben, with a puzzled epi- look on the face. Go, Yeah, go ahead. Episode 11, you said, this looks like it's going to be a slower-moving ride. You you explicitly said that. Because <laughs> I, 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 it would surprise me, too, and I listened back, and it was something would, that, that Alicia Sella said. Uh, at the outset, but I think we were anticipating yeah. something different. Yeah, yeah. I, I, think, I, I, <laughs> you think I don't. I don't <laughs> so, think it. I don't think I thought it would be this slow. I mean, when we're when we're talking slow, it's slow. Can I interrupt for one second? Sure. It, it reminds me. I, I had. I. I do have a lot of positive to say, <laughs> but it all starts before the ride starts. But in any event, the, we, the, we got Josh's opinion in real time. It was pretty funny. The, <laughs> yes. The, the, the mist. The, the you know the the difference between what a reasonable person would expect from this versus what it was reminds me very much of the Fast and Furious ride, and I, I joked many times about how how do you take a you know how do you take a film that's about fast cars like the word fast is literally in the title of the film mm-hmm. and then make it you know you're in a bus and you're basically parked like that is such a, you know that's guaranteed to disappoint and I, I felt. Anyway, I don't want to step up, but to me, it's like, yes, that's the degree of miss that we're talking about here in terms of the attraction portion. And I do think probably I was slanted by what Alicia was, was reporting because she did. She had this from a long time ago that this was yep. going to be a slow dark ride. Uh, and, and I want to say maybe I said it in that episode. I can't remember if I did, but I did say it definitely today because and I know I've had these thoughts for a long time. If, if you want to do a slow dark ride with AR – with physical sets where things pop up out of nowhere. I mean, you have a plat. You, I know I mentioned Luigi's mansion before it's a haunted house with ghosts that yep. pop up out of nowhere. It would work perfect for a slow moving dark ride that uses AR to make things appear sure. out of nowhere. Like it's not like they didn't have another concept they could have gone with hell. Even the queue, the Bow- going through Bowser's castle has that spooky and eerie feeling throughout most of it. That's what a haunted house is that Luigi has to deal with on that ride. You could do that for the dark ride, but Mario Kart to me has to have some speed. It ha- I I just don't understand how you either have- simulated or otherwise. Uh, yes, uh, and you know we uh, yes we are watching the video with the AR through the goggles uh, through a camera, and it doesn't really you know give us the 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 perfect view of what we're seeing. But what I did see on there that's an understatement. <laughs> holy shit! It's it's like how much shit can we throw? In the god, like, I have no idea what you're looking at whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. It's so right, it was but that makes me feel much. so much better because I'm like, did I just have a stroke? Like something went, like when the ride started, I'm like, what the hell am I looking at here? It was, it was bad. <laughs> uh, it's too much uh, when it came to that part, and so 
I don't know how you're supposed to tell what's a physical set, what's not, when the AR is just covering well, your eyes. I mean, that's you're I, not that, supposed to. But. You're not supposed to, but yeah. And and honestly, I, I went back and watched it a couple more times, and some of the stuff that maybe on the first pass I thought was a cool looking physical set, it's a screen. Yeah, it was a, a lot screen. Of so there's it's covered in screens with another screen in front of your eyes that's putting stuff in front of you that's not really there so i i was not impressed with what i saw whatsoever and i know i'll get bashed for it whatevs i don't care uh that i was expecting a hell of a lot more than what we were shown with with this mario kart ride i saw one post on twitter that it looks like the best ride ever created and then that's a lot insane. Of con- and then a block, lot of confusion. That that video, is there another video out there? Was that comment based on the video that we watched? Was that I don't Derek? believe so. Okay, uh, it was that, not Derek. Because that anyway, is nonsense. I, I've got my own thoughts, but Josh, why don't you go? Okay, I'm going to start in a different place with my analysis than Bennett, which is the queue. I thought the queue was awesome. Yeah, queue looks I thought, incredible. I mean, first of all, in terms of scale, it was incredible. And it, it granted, it's hard to tell. I don't know how the video was edited or cut or anything. It looked like a single shot to me mostly, but uh, maybe it wasn't. But it looks like that would hold an incredible number of people. Number one, and the detail and the theming, I thought, was really awesome. Yeah, and, spot on. And no, no honestly, I in light of seeing the ride. I think the queue is too good because mm-hmm. you look at that queue and you're expecting a real hell of an experience when you get on the attraction. So, uh, you I think, know, I think we que- should take a step back, Josh, and read sure. your comments in real time. Sure. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I uh, we posted the video. Josh says the queue is blowing my mind. I can't even imagine how many guests this thing can hold the capacity. And then I said, I haven't seen the ride yet, but so far I'm really impressed. And, and then silence. <laughs> then it just keeps getting better. And I say, and because I have now seen the ride, I said, perhaps we save it for the show because I could see you just dropping a what the fuck. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we, we held it back from there, but it really was kind of funny. And I imagine that I'm not far off in my analysis of what I just no, said. No, no, you're very close. I will say this to try and uh, – first of all, if I were to explain – I'm not going to say anything about the ride itself because Ben – said exactly what I would say. I think he did. I have nothing to add. The only thing I will comment on is that maybe it's something that simply doesn't translate to being filmed. I hope so. Uh, but I don't have the, the fact is even if everything that was in that video looks a hundred percent better in real life. And Ben said this as well, the quantity of shit that they are throwing in front of you is just, it's overwhelming and not in a good way. Yeah. Um, it's not, I, I know me and I would find that sort of disorienting and it, I don't, I think you would get off that ride not feeling very well, quite frankly. I don't, uh, my wife will hate this ride and I will tell you why. She doesn't play video games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you don't play video games, I don't think anybody will enjoy this attraction because they will be like, what the hell is going on in front of my face right now? I uh, love I think, video games and I don't think I'm going to like this ride. So I'm going to walk do, through I, the queue and turn around and walk through it again. Exactly. I think you have to have a certain level of being a gamer and being into this stuff to really appreciate it. But the ones who are not into that at all, are I don't think they're going to come off liking this ride whatsoever. But I'll tell you something. I, I'm a pretty hardcore gamer and a lot of my friends are. And most of my hardcore gaming friends aren't really a big fan of AR or VR. No, no. Because it's, it has a very high gimmick factor to it. Yep. And I really think that this is a ride that no matter how good it might be now, and we haven't experienced it except on YouTube, which is not the right way to do it. I'm trying yeah, to just be right fair way. there. Definitely the best way. 
but but no matter how good <laughs> it might be in real life, it's not going to age well. It, this Mm-mm. is so heavily heavily dependent upon a gimmicky technology mm-hmm. um, that I think in you know three, four, five years. Uh, it's it's not going to hold up. Now I will say, let, let me. There was one more positive thing I had. The way they did the goggles, I thought was very cool. Yes. Um, so for anyone who hasn't watched the video, and I might be misunderstanding because I can tell you that when I watch it real time, I didn't understand it until I saw it at the end. Um, but basically, there's like I would describe it as a visor that is themed to you know like Mario's Mario, yeah. visor. And you put that on during a pre-show video. And it has, <laughs> it's kind of funny watching the, the, the pre-show video explain it, that you put it on your head and apparently there's like a knob at the back that you rotate to ratchet it down so that it fits snugly. And it looks yep. like, to me, a very well-designed apparatus. I was very impressed by that. But there's actually no goggles on you at that point. Right. And then at right before you board the ride vehicle, I guess they hand you the actual they're, they're goggle portion. They're attached to the vehicle. They're yeah, attached to the vehicle. vehicle. Okay. You snap in. And then you clip them into the visor. So yep. clearly, one thing I can say, and maybe this is a, a huge miss. Maybe it's moderately okay. I don't know. But this was a bespoke attraction. This was not off-the-shelf stuff. They clearly put a lot of time and I think a ton of money into creating you know, one-off uh, solutions for this. And maybe it's a thing that... I'm not that fully convinced so- of that, actually. And I'll... I'll really? When I, when I talk, yeah, I'll, I'll go okay. into it. But go ahead. Um, I mean, that's really all I had to say. I mean, there, to me, it looks like... It doesn't look like they phoned it in, to me. Mm-hmm. It, it really feels like a lot of effort went into this. Um, but... And you know what's kind of sad? Is that, as I think about it, Nintendo is really known for having simple technology, but great gameplay. Yeah, and this seems like the opposite. It's like they really were just hanging their hat solely on being a high-tech experience, but the gameplay sucks. Um, yeah. You know, there's four people in the car. They're all driving, and that's just for points. It doesn't affect the path of the vehicle. Right. Um, you know, you could shoot, you know, uh, Koopa shells out there uh, and get points. And Okay, that's cool. I get that. You know, you got to serve a, a, a huge number of people. It can't be an individual, completely individualized experience. But to me... Um, I saw that queue and I was ready for an incredible, you know, blow away experience. And what I saw was a very disappointing, poor gameplay mess. It was a mess. That's the best way I could describe it. So the reason why I don't think that it's fully customized is the the ride vehicles themselves, they're on a bus bar uh, track. That in itself is probably off the shelf. They may have done some customization to the ride vehicle, but I also think that the the VR goggles themselves are probably existing or sorry, the augmented reality goggles rather are probably existing tech that they're using as well. I don't think they invented that. I no, think No, no, I just meant the 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 physical design of it was what I was referring to, not okay. the technology. I think But I mean that's yeah. in theory that's just a shell, but yeah. I th- I think <laughs> that Pun. I, I, th- I think they combined a few different things. And uh, Seth Kaberski over on uh, the Disney Dish podcast uh, on Monday went over it and kind of explained in greater detail how the visor works, how the uh, the process of the attraction works. And he was, he was largely heaping praise on it. But I think the way that this manifested itself is certainly not what we discussed when we were trying to break down how would we do it. And granted, none of us are Imagineers, but it is the conceit of the show. And when we talked about having a slow-moving ride, we talked about it perhaps as a straightaway where you're moving slowly, but much in the same way that you've got action going all the way around you. Like in Kong, for example, um, you see the speed that way. Uh, right. And in this case, 
It is very much in tune with many other universal attractions where they put you in front of a screen and shake you around. Yep. And that's that's what's happening here. I'd and rather move slowly than be shook. So I'm going to give it more praise than that. Yeah, I don't know if they're actually shaking you, but it's still that like <laughs> you take away the augmented reality and they just created a Mario Kart version of Ratatouille. That's what they did. Yeah. There's the thing is, very if you're little difference. A, if you're going to make a dark ride, you have to lean into what dark rides are good at. And they right. didn't do that. It's 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 just, so, it's, you know, there's a reason when you go to Home Depot, there's like 4,000 tools in the tool aisle. It's because there's no such thing as the best tool. The, mm-hmm. the craft, you know, the art is choosing the right tool, in this case, to tell the story. And and I think clearly they didn't do that. So let me let me put throw this at you. Um, and this amazes me. And, and I think we'd all be in agreement here. Radiator Springs Racers is nine years old, mm-hmm. and we it's a fantastic attraction. I don't know anybody who does not love Radiator Springs Racers. Yep. H- half of that ride is a dark ride. Yep. It's a slow-moving dark ride. It's not I – mean, no, not, this, isn't, this isn't only Universal's fault. I mean, I think we would love to see a replication of that in Florida in some sense – but when it comes to Mario Kart, if it's not broke, you know, don't fix it. What it, Radio Springs Racers is an awesome two car, two lane track. Make that four lanes, make it an actual racing experience, and steal something that Disney did fantastic and recreate that experience. I don't. I think this is a instance where Universal overthought the technology yep. and o- overthought how do we make mimic these things. You don't have to. Just make it a freaking cool racing ride that you drive under some physical blocks that might actually be there that you know might not do anything, but it looks like what the Mario Kart ride is. But give us that racing experience slotted off with four cars next to each other that are going back and forth. I mean, how much fun do we all have when you ride Radiator Springs Racers and you've got that car that's right next to you and yeah. you inch in one foot in front of it and you think it's the coolest thing in the world because you're winning that race now this was giving to them on a golden platter and they just fumbled it I don't know what they were thinking with with what they decided to do here but it was just totally the it's the the concept of that attraction again is not bad it could be used on a better IP and still do something around Mario Kart that's you know true to the essence of what that game actually is so the- I'm going to I'm going to go throw down a prediction here. Okay. And the whole COVID thing is going to throw a, a bit of a monkey wrench into the time frame on this, but I think we are entering a phase of time where augmented reality is going to be to theme park attractions what screens were 10 years ago. It was a new thing. It got overused, it got used in the wrong places, it created fatigue very quickly, but you know the pipeline on these multi hundred million dollar attractions is so long that even when public sentiment turns, these things still get built. Um, I don't think that Mario Kart is going to be the last poorly implemented augmented reality attraction that we see. And I'm pretty sure that probably in five or 10 years, um, that trend will pass. So we thought that augmented reality was the way to do some components of this, but the other thing we talked Not about... all of the components. No, exa- well, exactly. That's exactly <laughs> where I'm going with this. So we talked about this, like, what is the best way for this attraction to work? And Ben, you hit on it. And Josh, you, pined it, you kind of just hit on it as well. Does this work as, a, as an interactive, active participant ride, or does it work as a passive attraction? Right. And we unanimously said that it works better as a passive attraction. Yep. Um, in order to fully get the Mario Kart experience... Uh, like where you're on the track and you're moving around, 
it has to be a passive attraction. You can't be dictating where the car is going, and you're not in this case. Josh, you want to talk about responsive controls on Millennium Falcon? Talk about them on this. Uh, <laughs> the, the If you wanted to have an interactive component, and they do have this. They have, as far as I could tell, the steering wheel is what's uh, allowing you to launch shells and, and pick up things, but uh, that's the interactive component, and then you just have a cluster F on the actual uh, uh, visual the screens in front of you. And the yeah, that's, and the that's an understatement. For anyone who hasn't seen the video, I really encourage you to watch it because I, I understand. I think if I were listening to a podcast and didn't see this, I would assume we're just being contrarian and negative for the sake of trying to be interesting. I don't think that any of us have exaggerated at all no. um, the problem with that. And, and I will say, I mean, parallax is a thing, you know, when you look at things at an angle. And I'm sure that camera was not in the right position sure, in those lenses. Not. So I, I have no doubt. That it, the real world experience is nowhere near as bad as what we saw, but it's also, there's only so much that it being there can do to help, you know? So, so looking at this in comparison to other efforts that Universal has made, um, where again, you're put in front of a screen and the action happens on the screen. The, uh, something like Spider-Man and Transformers and, uh, even to a lesser extent, Ex- Escape from Gringotts, you're actually moving in front of that screen. In this case, uh, you're moving slowly towards the screen, but there's no pitch and yaw. There's nothing that's really affecting your motion there other than the screen itself. And that, to me, has Ratatouille being the closest comparison. And I don't mean that to be demeaning to Ratatouille, but this was supposed to be an e-ticket plus attraction. Exactly. You're comparing like and, a C-ticket to an e-ticket. And, I mean, Ratatouille, uh, by a lot of people's standards, a very solid D-ticket. Some would even call it an E-ticket. But the expectations for a Ratatouille attraction versus a Mario Kart attraction are significantly different. I say that and Mario Kart probably was cheaper. But that's... that's <laughs> uh, more about how Disney spends money on things. I think we have a little interesting experiment here, though, moving forward that, uh, you know, this was supposed to be one of the major, major attractions at Epic Universe. Yep. Um, and again, like Tim, like, like both of you have said, like we can't we haven't seen it we're, we're, we've watched it on a video online, but I don't know if we'll get a true understanding of how good or bad this ride is based on how it does in Japan mm-hmm. because of how people are obsessed with Mario over there. Sure, Way Toy more Story than they are is the most popular ride in Disney Sea. Yep. So, you know, they're going to this thing is going to have long lines. It's going to be uh, a major attraction for that park, which is going to make Universal go this can still be one of the tentpole attractions of Epic Universe when I wonder what happens when it comes stateside. I guess we are lucky that Hollywood gets it first and there can be some assessment to how it the reaction is in Hollywood. But by the time that opens, I'm guessing that Epic Universe will have broken ground and we'll be moving along because we're, we're, you know, a couple of years away from the Hollywood version, you know, yep. being being running. So they're not going to be able to what what we see now is what we're going to get here. And I don't know if this is a big enough attraction to be one of the major, major draws for an entire brand new theme park. If that makes if that that's the that's the argument I'm trying to make here. If that makes sense, uh, I, this is what I was expecting. You, we all watched video of the Born Stunt Show and were amazed. Yeah, by, it was very good. By you I've, having, I've, I've seen it. That's one thing we didn't talk about, by the way, on my trip report. Born Stunt Show is legit. That thing is freaking awesome, and and the that is one where the videos that you watch on YouTube do not do it justice to where you you literally cannot tell what's a physical set and what's a mm-hmm. digital screen in front of you, and you're sitting 30 feet away from it. It's that good and that realistic. 
that, that integration that was mind blowing of, even on YouTube. Yeah. I mean, that was incredible. Yep. That integration of screens and physical sets is what I wanted to see here. I wanted to be moving through a physical area like that with those types of environments on uh, the left and right of me and in front of me. And that didn't happen with this. Um, we see, and I'm, I, it's a weird comparison, but think of how screens are used in Navi River Journey where they're adding depth to something. They're adding yeah. depth to physical props. Uh, that's what I think we were hoping for. We were looking for that multi-plane camera effect, plus if you're going to use augmented reality, adding that in as well. Um, but the augmented reality, Josh, you, I think Josh, you described it as a gimmick. One of you did. Um, I did. Josh. And, it, it, they, it's the driver so of the that are trying to make it happen. It just doesn't really seem to resonate with people. Yeah, yeah. It's a cool well, demo. That's the thing. Is it's it's yeah, one of those exactly. things. There's one. There's certain technological things. I've always been a geek. I've always been into technology. And there's certain things that have come along in my lifetime where everyone who looks at it describes it as being interesting. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. And I've I've almost come to believe that that is a really bad omen as to what the future of that is. Because <laughs> what, it, what it really means is that there's something intrinsic about the technology that amazes people, but not in a way that they want to experience either repeatedly or for a long period of time. It's just something like, wow, that's cool that I got to see that. But it doesn't really have any legs. And... I'm not saying that that's what AR is in the long term, but I am saying that that's what AR is now. Um, AR might, you know, I can imagine a time in the relatively distant future where you could have AR glasses that look like normal glasses, not like crazy Google Glass glasses, mm-hmm. where when you walk up to someone, you know, it shows you what their name is. So you could address them by name or, or where they work or information they're willing to share. So yeah. in other words, taking some or of the massive, what their underwear looks like or that, you know, it, whether or not they've been in any adult films, you know, whatever. <laughs> but, you know, there are legitimate uses for this. And I think entertainment is a genre where there is a, a potential future for it. But what air is today to me is still not ready for prime time. And yeah. I think to to try and shoehorn it in, I could see why a company would be tempted to do it because it it makes you look sort of cutting edge. But at the same time, if it there's a reason that it hasn't gone mainstream, and that and when you're trying to serve a mainstream audience like you get uh, at a at a theme park, I think it's only reasonable to expect that if it wasn't good for the rest of the world, it's probably not good enough for your guests. And I think that the, I think that the overall feedback is going to be pretty lackluster. Josh, you said it with this being quote unquote, an experiment. Is this an example that we cannot do AR fast? Is this right? Is it? Oh, I see what you're saying. <laughs> did they well, so, did they intend to make this a fast ride from the get go, and then once they start yeah. doing some play testing, going, oh that. no, this doesn't work. It, this takes me again. Tip of the hat to Alicia Sella for her uh, Park Stop podcast, where they went to uh, they talked to the lead lead designer for Men in Black: Alien Attack, and that was intended to be like Spider Man from the get go until they went over and play tested uh, yeah. a shooting gallery on the Spider Man ride and realized, heck, there's you can't hit targets, you can't do that. So that's when yep. it got uh, leveled down to you know using the ride system from Cat in the Hat to where you you know you could mimic what they were trying to do. I do right. wonder if they intended fully when they first got their hands on this, this is going to be a fast cart ride with AR. And then they went, Oh crap, you can't do right. that. And it just got slowed down and slowed down and slowed down to the point where you could finally stomach the AR, but at the expense of yeah. uh, the speed of the ride. 
I think that's a distinct possibility. It's something that absolutely occurred to me when I was watching the video. And I mean, I could share a few. I don't know a whole lot about this technology. I could share a few things that I know about the limitations. One that I think most people understand is the the latency. Um, when there is a, an apparent disagreement between when things are happening that you see and when you feel them, that can create a problem. That's more of a problem with VR than with AR. Um, but the problem you do have with AR, and I don't know if I can explain this well, but with AR, you are looking at the real world through a lens and you have things you know superimposed on it. And from what I've read and heard from people who know way more about this than me, one of the physiological problems that that creates is that that projection is intended to look like it's, let's say, 40 feet in front of you. Mm -hmm. But it's actually projected on the lens that's an inch in front of your eye. So the image, the apparent distance of that image is, you know, 10, 15, 20, 35 feet, but your eyes are actually focusing on that thing that's an inch in front of you. And that is another physiological uh, incongruity that creates discomfort from people. So I don't Josh, really – Josh, you're talking to people that didn't do well on the verbal side of the SATs. You got to use smaller words. And- <laughs> well, I can't use numbers. I can tell you that because the only reason I have any verbal you know, skill at all is because I'm a complete – you know, completely incompetent when it comes to numbers. But um, you know, the, the point is that there, there are there's things about AR that I think will get better with time. But there are also things that are inherent in the way that AR is done now that are, is just – it's on the very fringe of what's compatible with the human body. And I don't think that those are going to get better. Um, you know, and whether or not the particular issue I was just talking about is something that's uh, made worse by speed, it's not hard for me to imagine that it would be, right? I mean, anyone who's ever ridden in a car, I remember riding in a car as a kid. We used to go to North Carolina. We'd drive on the Blue Ridge Parkway. Mm-hmm. And if I was reading a magazine or playing a Game Boy or something, I'd get sick every time. Sure. But if I was looking out the window, I'd be okay. And it's just this whole idea of what your visual system is taking in versus what your, you know, your inner ear is experiencing. So, you know, if you're going to shake, if you're going to move someone quickly and, and make sharp turns like you do on, uh, you know, test track, for example, or I assume radiator, spring, radiator springs racers, which I unfortunately haven't had the chance to ride. I can only imagine that looking at a screen and all this stuff on top of it has got to contribute to uh, motion sickness. So probably, you know, it just, I, I really think that the folks that put this thing together fell in love with this AR and decided to stick with it at the cost of the story and the real heart of Mario Kart. I mean, how do you have Mario Kart without speed? Yeah. That's a real, real problem. It would be like if you built Pirates of the Caribbean, but you did it without boats. The the, uh, the simplest way, and not, not that any of this is simple, because this does look like an immensely complicated uh, combination of uh, uh, Imagineering or universal creative disciplines that they put together. But the the way to do this, I think, that we would have suggested doing this would be you have long straight rooms, much in the same way that you had in Confrontation, and you have the turns basically simulated on those screens uh, mm-hmm. where you have like full wraparound screens in front of you, on either side of you. And the way that if you're going to use augmented reality, uh, I'll use Ben's suggestion of, say, four across from four different uh, vehicles racing, is you give each of the four seats a different – uh, weapon, exactly. for lack of a better yep. word. So one of them gets some shells, some of them gets bananas, some of them gets a, a star, so you speed up. And you're not really changing the predetermined path of a in all likelihood a trackless vehicle. Uh, but what you could potentially do is 
uh, you drop a banana and it goes behind you and hits uh, another vehicle, that vehicle spins around and yeah. much in the same way that like the shells can do that. Yep. And that's the level of interactivity that would be awesome. And uh, the problems that Josh outlined about uh, augmented reality aside, about the perspective of the various um, things you're seeing in your eye, uh, that would be a way to actually have this fully integrated. And I, I admittedly, I don't know if that's possible, but that would be the type of attraction that would totally blow people away, uh, where you're you're still utilizing screens. You can use physical props in conjunction with those screens, much in the same way they do in um, the Bourne Stunt Show. But in order to integrate that with augmented reality, that augmented reality needs to have an actual effect on the ride, other than like a coin score at the end of it. So and I, I think everything ahead. you just said makes sense, but I'm going to sort of try and undo the premise. Okay. The simplest way to do this and make it what people would expect, sort of asterisk, is you make it a passive experience. Yeah. You know, you design the thing so that, yeah, the car, you know, the car next to me shot a shell at you and you spin, you know, cause that's, that's part yeah, of the okay. ride. And, and then you it, can actually don't even need to do augmented reality for something exactly. like that. Then you make it, you know, make it three dimensional. It is different of course than playing Mario Kart. But the thing is, I think what we're, the the inescapable conclusion that we're running into here is that it's not currently possible, as far as we know, to create a fully interactive experience that is going to provide the level of guest satisfaction that people who love this franchise expect. So yeah. if if you asked me, if I had to pick between a subpar experience that was interactive versus a mind-blowing passive experience, I would choose the second option every day. It's interesting that Ben mentioned both Spider-Man and um, Men in Black because for what they are in their respective genres, Spider-Man is certainly in the conversation for best passive experience for a great ride. Great ride. Great ride. It's a great ride now. I mean, that ride was absolutely mind-blowing when it launched. And Men in Black, probably by all accounts, the best interactive ride. Like, I don't know that there's – so – they they saw and we, we say this all the time and Ben you were you were just saying this uh, two minutes ago that you find the uh, the appropriate way to tell the story you find the appropriate vehicle for the for the actual attraction and I don't know it I, I really hope that that it just doesn't translate to video and we're, we're, what we saw was Me not too. the cluster F. Um, because this was something that I think we were all looking forward to. And this, this did not hit, uh, on what we wanted it to. And if it, if it is, as we just stated, it is, hopefully there are things that can be corrected, uh, before it hits Florida and possibly even before it hits California. Yeah. But anyway, can you put the link to that video in the show notes? Cause I I really do want the listeners to see it because (laughs) all I could say, I don't know how to describe it other than that. Q is just so impressive, and the yes. transition is like it. I uh, for the first thirty seconds, I thought it was a joke, or that the camera was <laughs> out of position. But you remember that line from your trip: "The chicks never came. The chicks never came." It's like the attraction never came. Like this thing, like the thing that you would reasonably expect after walking through that queue just never showed up, and then it ended. And I yep. saw people clapping. And I'm like, "Are they clapping because it's over? Now they can go vomit." And then, Tim, can you start the uh, GoFundMe and drop that link so we can get Josh on Radiator Springs race- Racers? There we go. Yeah, that's a good How idea. do I do that? Aren't they still closed? That's tr- you can break in. <laughs> Sorry, folks. Get- park's closed. I'm not you representing myself. You can get into California to- Adventure. Yeah. I don't you just can't be go to the rides. <laughs> Sorry, folks. Park's <laughs> yeah. closed. Gavin Newsom should have told you. 
Oh, jeez. <laughs> Somebody's writing an email right now. They should put his picture with loose antlers. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so moving away from the news of the day, uh, Josh just finished looking up legal precedents, and we're going to move on to listener questions. We have two. Uh, one from a uh, favorite name uh, of amongst our listeners, Bruce McClintock. Yes. And another from Matt Kaufman. Uh, sorry, Matt, your name isn't as cool as Bruce's, but uh, either way, we're going to answer both. <laughs> we're we're going to br- uh, break down both of your questions. So we'll start with Bruce. Uh, subject, let's call it the Swan Disco- Discovery River, Mike Fink, Keelboats, and Davy Crockett Explorer Canoes at Walt Disney World. Hey, guys, thank you for the uploads. The latest petition to reopen the Disneyland People Mover got me thinking about – did those people have a death wish, by the way? That's yeah, going to say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, got me thinking about the petition dwindling to kinetic- ignore structural integrity. <laughs> Got me thinking about the dwindling kinetic energy in all Disney parks. Uh, side note to that, Dan Heaton is doing a show about remodeling Disneyland's uh, Tomorrowland. And in three minutes, I, I will, managed to spend three. I actually will be on that show as a guest. <laughs> I I, uh, I contributed a three-minute uh, clip, and I spent about $3 billion in that three minutes. So It's pretty good. Uh, anyway. Uh, Your Imagineering Challenge, design an attraction that primarily functions within the existing waterways of the Disney World Park you choose. Blue sky with no budget at first, but estimate the guest per hour capacity. Then your budget is as follows. Guest per uh, guest per ass guest per hour equals five hundred is going to be a twenty five million dollar attraction. A uh, thousand is going to be a fifty million dollar. Two thousand is a hundred million dollar. Do you think of like course, guest per ass is a metric they use at the Horseshoe Ranch? <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> Of course, the attraction will probably go over budget, but you get the idea. So I had an idea, and I believe each of you came up with something for this as well. Um, ben, where did you, what park did you start with? The best. Did you one. fuck up Epcot again? Nope. <laughs> we went. We went with the Hollywood Studios, baby. Okay. So I'm gonna let you guys do like the math part on this because to me, math is hard. <laughs> um, Same. Bruce used to be my favorite person that would write in until he told me to do math. And I was like, now nah, I don't like him that much. Um, but uh, so I'm going to come up with the concept and the idea. You can tell me how much it costs and we got the budget to do it or not. But uh, I do like this idea. And I do think, you know, I was trying to think of all the different parks that, you know, had waterways that were that we could come up with something with that would, you know, be somewhat substantial uh, and, and, you know, plus the area, not just be, a, you know, Something to put something in for the sake of doing it. So, Hollywood Studios doesn't have that many, you know, bodies of water. No, but it's it does not, have it's not much. It does have one. Yes, and it's Echo. It's You're Echo put a Lake. Right around the ice cream dinosaur. So, well, <laughs> hear me out here. Hear me out here. So, Echo. You're going to do Lake, this, aren't you? It's funny that you have, say that. Well, 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 it gets interesting. Ben, your microphone can't register Jim Hill's volume. I love Ben's Jim Hill so much. It just makes my heart smile. (laughs) I love that your microphone can't even handle it. (laughs) Professional broadcaster over here. So, uh, Echo Lake, I think, finds itself in a very interesting spot in that park where it's kind of in the middle of a few different things that doesn't really know what it wants to be. Uh, yeah. It, it, you know, we, we now have Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway, uh, which is, you know, of course, the first Mickey-themed attraction in any park. and, and, and uh, You could argue it's, Echo, it's, Echo Lake was a Mickey-themed attraction because it's his ear. True, true. Uh, and so 
you know, you, you have the start of the Mickey characters there. Then you have the Mickey Shorts Theater in the old Sounds Dangerous Theater. And yep. in between that, you have the Frozen sing-along. So, and then, you know, and, and, and on the other side of, of Echo Lake uh, by Dinosaur Gertie, you also have Indiana Jones. So it's like, what the heck is this area? Is it a Mickey-themed area? Is it a Frozen-themed area? Is it Indiana Jones? Is it nothing? Is it just what It's representative else? of the studios prior to Toy Story Land and Hollywood and, uh, right. and Star Wars Land, where it's just an amalgamation of crap. Not crap, but it's just a disjointed mess. So I thought you could go one of two ways here and actually create an attraction here that would give this section of the park... Uh, you know, solidify a theme. And I'm, I think you could go one of two ways. I think if you thought Frozen ever, uh, the Frozen sing-along was a strong enough attraction that had legs to be there for a while, I think you could do a Frozen attraction out in front of that and, and really kind of build that together. But I also could see, you know, one day Frozen sing-along goes away. Uh, you know, obviously they haven't updated it with Frozen 2. It's still the original Frozen. And if they haven't I done they it- added a song. Not that I don't know. If they did, they didn't overdo the whole show. But for the last time I saw it was all Frozen One. Uh, it, it, the the I saw it over what back in November, and it did have the extra Christmas songs at the end. But had maybe that's nothing, what I'm thinking. Yeah, it had nothing from Frozen Two. So if they haven't done okay. it by now, they're not going to do it. Uh, in my opinion. So that leads me to think that at some point that that show could be on the chopping block uh, if they wanted to. It's still popular. It still draws in crowds. I don't think they're going to do it anytime soon. But I do think that with it being sandwiched between two Mickey attractions, you could do something there, Mickey or, you know, Fab Five themed. And then you could also do something out in front of Echo, in Echo Lake that would be Fab Five themed. So if we wanted to go Mickey and make everything from the Chinese theater over to the Sounds Dangerous, a, a Mickey area, I was thinking you could take Echo Lake and fill it in to where it's about two inches deep and you could do an Aquatopia attraction in that spot uh, from okay. what you would see at Tokyo Disney Sea. Uh, I'm you, always a fan of Aquatopia anywhere. Yep. So it, and it's I think it's a perfect size and space that you could do something fun. It would bring that kinetic energy there. If we kept it Mickey themed, I would do a Donald Duck themed attraction right here uh, and, and make this a, a, a Donald experience. Aquaductopia? Yep. Yep, and if we didn't want to do that, I think if you wanted to make this a, a, a pseudo-frozen little section and, and do something that stays in line with the Frozen sing-along, I do think you could make this, uh, you know, almost kind of go the Blizzard Beach route, give it some give it some ice, give it some uh, frozen theming, some snow around it. and like jewelry? Yep, yeah. No, uh, well, <laughs> you, you have the, the, you have the Sven... Uh, uh, can it be hip-hop Mickey saying, drink up me gangsters, yo-ho? <laughs> You're just... Crapping all over my idea tonight. I see. No <laughs> um, respect. I think you could do this a sled themed uh, concept that you, while utilizing the Aquatopia, almost make it your like you're sliding around ice in frozen water, and uh, and and do a, a frozen version of that ride. But my preference would be a Donald Duck themed ride. Kind of make this whole area a a more of a Fab Five, a Mickey core Mickey group. Uh, attraction area and put it in an Aquatopia because I'm never, I'm not getting into the the Tokyo anytime soon. And from everything, you know, from what you've said, what others have said, it's a simple ride, but it's a very fun ride. Uh, And I would, I think it would fit perfect in this section of the park. Josh, did you also choose Aquatopia? Cause I did. (laughs) My idea is sort of phoning it in. Um, (laughs) It's what what we do on the show. But to be truthful, I think that when 
I think boats are cool in and of themselves. I didn't mean to step away from Ben if we had additional uh, commentary on I'm that. Sorry. Thanks. Go. I, I apologize. Go ahead, Ben. <laughs> no, this is this is where you two say my idea is fantastic, and we move on. Uh, it is fantastic because anything that puts the Aquatopia system uh, in the parks, I'm a fan of. So I, I would welcome that with open arms. This and is- Josh agrees. All right, now Indeed. Josh, you can talk. <laughs> no, I, I mean I, the thing is, I. How do you have a bad boat idea? I mean, unless yeah. it sinks at the end, you know, it's, it's cool. I mean, boats are cool. Titanic the, the environment which these things would operate if they're outside is cool. Have so you been on this, Navi River Journey? I have not. Uh, <laughs> I do like Navi River Journey. I almost feel like <laughs> add, too short. adding boats outside at Disney World is sort of an unscrewable boats, boats, idea. Boats. Sorry. Exactly. I'm on a boat. Um, what my idea was simply to replace the, the friendship boats that go between, those are the ones that go between Epcot and uh, uh, Studios, right? Uh, yes, and hotels, and they're also the name of the boats that go across World Showcase Lagoon. Yeah, and are, att- and are attacked and by the confused. submarines that are now there. What I would do is I would put an automated ride, ride system in there. Not quite a traditional Omnimover, but I'd love to see maybe some new technology, kind of like trackless, where these things can charge opportunistically, where they're battery-powered, where you don't have diesel smell, but it can be a more continuously operating thing. Because if you think about... The monorails, which are not continuously operating, but the you know the the skyliners are. There's there's something that's kind of cool about having an attraction that also provides a mode of transportation, and there's not really any boat equivalent of that on property now. There was the you know the swan boats that ran around Magic Kingdom that didn't really provide any transportation. I really don't know why they got rid of those. To be honest, um, if it was an operational thing, I wonder if that can be addressed now with with better technology. But the place that I in my head could quickly think of a way where you could actually provide some sort of logistical benefit to the company. Um, as well as I don't consider the friendship boats a ride, you know, you got to wait for them. They kind of smell it's, I don't know, to me, it's sort of a subpar experience. Um, if you could have a more modern attraction without the smell, um, where it kind of was like a ride where maybe you're in your own personal vehicle, um, to me, that would be really cool. I think that's a plus all the way around. It would probably be very expensive because just when you look at the distances that you have to span there, it's you know really, really long compared to a ride track and a conventional attraction. But Disney's a really big company. They could probably afford to do it. So um, I can't imagine those friendship boats are cheap to operate. There's maintenance there. You've got crew members, you know, and maybe having a real boat, uh, an attraction operating without you know, supervision on an open waterway. Maybe you can't do that. You know, I, I'm not, that's the whole beauty of blue sky is I don't have to worry about the constraints, but, (laughs) but that's sort of the idea that I had. In 2013, Disney patented an Omnimover boat ride concept. Love it. Put it in. I, I was looking through my rumors and I can't find anything that I even conceived that it was tied to. And I wouldn't do something with Actually, I, I don't know. From a uh, necessity standpoint, how efficient those boats are relative to your average Omnimover system, they may be more efficient than an Omnimover. What year did you say that was? 2013 is what I found. Would that? Why do I want to say Shanghai at one point was thought to be that they're pirates? Yeah, I think that was the speculation. So yeah. what I found was a theme park tourist article that Robert Niles wrote in just a very quick Google search, but. It's not what they're using in Shanghai. Right, right. No, it ended up not being that at all. But I thought the the concept, or at least around that time period, was that was maybe attached to what we thought was going to be that ride. 
in terms of using it as transportation across uh, World Showcase, I wouldn't be a fan of that. We have enough shit on World Showcase right now anyway. And I think the boats, as they are, make a little bit more sense. But as a functional mode of transport between, say, Yacht and Beach and uh, Hollywood Studios and Epcot, I, w- I wouldn't mind that at all. I think that would be, a, uh, as you said, a ride to get to a place where they have rides. Yeah. So oh, you said that. Wow, your wording was way better than mine. I like that. It's it's funny though, like with the French, like growing up, we stayed at Beach Club. That was our favorite. And then we, we would stay at Boardwalk quite a bit. But part of the reason we would do that is we all loved the friendship boats. Mm-hmm. We loved taking them to Hollywood Studios. We loved taking it over to Epcot. Uh, it, you just said it right. Yeah, a ride to get to the place with the rides. Uh, yeah. There is definitely something behind that. That's that's a good idea. I would go ahead and write that one down. I'm going to uh, to disappoint Bruce. We're not going to do additional math on this show. Uh, let's just call it out right now, trying to figure <laughs> out what the what the uh, uh, capacity is. But something like an Aquatopia, it's a that's a B ticket attraction. Its capacity is accordingly. So in in Disney Sea, they doubled it up. So let's say it's you know a thousand or twelve hundred. But we're not going to actually calculate what the math is from dispatches and number of people in the vehicle. Uh, sorry to disappoint, but um, I get yelled at when I do those sorts of things on here. So. Uh, but but going back to uh, uh, Aquatopia, because Ben and I landed on the same ride system here, um, but the very first note that I had was, my favorite B-ticket type attraction is Aquatopia over in Disney Sea. Um, but yeah, as, as Ben's described, it's a trackless ride in a few inches of water. And where I want to put this is the Imagination Pavilion. So you have the jumping water up uh, up in the elevated portion. You have the um, reverse fountain. I want to integrate that with the Aquatopia system. Um, so I'd set it up on the outside of Imagination as a replacement to the jumping water that's currently there. And if they can somehow integrate the jumping water into the vehicles themselves or around the vehicles, I think you could really enhance the area with added motion and the kinetic energy that Bruce is talking about. So my suggestion, uh, the Aquatopia vehicles are similar to like uh, they're, they're two-person vehicles with a high back i want to make them front and back they're bumper boats <laughs> yeah they, they basically they basically are let's, let's not overcomplicate this well, well but uh, what i'm what i'm getting at here is that high back yeah uh, i don't think it is unreasonable and again not an engineer here but you have people facing in opposite directions sharing that back but in the center you have an area uh, a reservoir of water where you can have water jump from boat to boat or jump from items within the uh, Aquatopia area into uh, into that boat. So you're seeing that while it's you're riding cool. and you're seeing it uh, seeing it from afar as well. And, you know, logistically, occasionally in, a, in an e-stop, somebody might get soaked, but that's a sacrifice I'm willing to make for this report. But the what way is this? Islands of Adventure? <laughs> exactly. So you have, you have these double-sided vehicles, like front and back, like Toy Story, uh, with that reservoir. Uh, I think there is a way to logistically do it even with e-stops to time it. But I think the really cool thing would be you know exactly where these vehicles are going to be at any point uh, from a timing standpoint. And you know how long it takes for a jet of water to go from one vehicle to another or a stationary object to a a moving vehicle. They definitely mathed it out very well with this thing. And I think it is – it is very conceivable to do something like that. Now, that does, Josh, I don't know if you're, if you're aware of this. That doesn't exist in the existing Aquatopia. That's something that I want to add on gotcha. as a uh, as a component to it. But I think it, what Imagineering does so well is they combine different uh, disciplines. They combine different technologies that they already have. 
and I don't think it's unreasonable to combine all of this. So uh, I want to take the existing Aquatopia system and and plus it to steal a term from Walt um, by keeping that jumping water component that is in uh, the Imagination Pavilion and utilizing that water area as well. So that's what I came up with. Your Aquatopia vehicle will su- experience the five levels of dampness. <laughs> Wet, soaked. <laughs> yeah, Eric, Eric, Eric Idle is doing the show scenes for this, right? Yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> so you know, Ben, the wet fucker's not there when we record this. <laughs> I like it. No, it's uh, not as good as mine, but uh, sure, of course. I like it. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> to further satisfy uh, Bruce's things, uh, Josh's version is going to be the most expensive because he's got twenty-seven miles of track for his. Uh, uh, for his Omni Mover. Yeah, but ride. you know, we can lay some people off, which is which the management loves. <laughs> See, so I was going to say, we're actually going to save the company some money because we're going to build enough of these vehicles to put both of our attractions in. Uh, oh, there you go. So we're just going to mirror it and, and put them both in and we'll be good. Now, I, I like that idea. I do like the, uh, it, you know, it, and again, this goes back to the simple things that we all love about the parks. We can't go to Epcot without going up to the jumping fountains and me having sure. to lift my daughter in the air and get her head soaked with water. She loves it. We love it. We take pictures. We do video and be able to do a ride that kind of incorporates that experience that we all grew up with and we all loved. I like that. I think that's a cool idea. That component is in Splash Mountain. It's one of when it's working correctly. One of the cool things in Splash Mountain, and uh, uh, when you've got the jumping fountains that are going above your uh, your log or in front of your log. Um, so that was kind of the inspiration, even more than Aquatopia. But um, anyway. Neither here nor there. Let's uh, let's move on to Matt's question uh, with a very uh, very clever subject. Listener questions. Thanks, Matt. Um, <laughs> first, for the sucking up, I love the podcast and the fact that there's nothing else out there like it. I find myself being one of those podcasts uh, podcast listeners that chimes in even if no one is around. Now that that's I out understand of the way, that I think that's normal. Yeah. Weirdo. That, that is by far the most frustrating part of podcasts is that <laughs> what makes them work is they're like an intimate conversation with people that you know, but then when you talk, they're not listening. <laughs> I will say, like, if don't we're worry, being, Matt. We're listening. If we're listening to this show, uh, and I'll I subject Marie to all of these, and she will bring <laughs> up a point that I will then bring up, or one of you will then bring up, like thirty seconds later, uh, <laughs> and I'll just say shut up, and then it'll come up because that's how I talk to my wife. Apparently, yeah, apparently. Uh, you know, you know what I mean. Nice guy over here. It happens uh, often. And I suspect that might happen with Matt as well, where he may make a suggestion talking to himself alone in his car, and then it's something that we ultimately bring up uh, a few minutes later. So anyway, uh, I don't know if this is a listener question or more of a topic idea. You've been given the opportunity to create a bar inside Disney based around past rides. The theming should be over the top and could even be interactive. Uh, something kind of along the lines of Trader Sam's. What rides would you borrow from and how would those items be used? Personally, I'm thinking the Horizons ride vehicles was a few booths. Like I said, I'd like to chime in. Lastly, where would this bar be? located pipe thanks down for, matt <laughs> thanks for the hours of free entertainment one of you said that you mailed this one in too was that josh no no i i I've spent a lot of time thinking about this one <laughs> why don't you kick us off involved then? he's all okay. in on this one <laughs> so disney world oh, wait, disney i was Wo- the one that mailed this one in okay <laughs> <laughs> so disneyland and disney world have the emporium epcot had the sumptorium yep. and my bar is called the historium okay and what it is, is it's a very big bar because I'm basing my sort of uh, ROI plan here on the fact that there's a lot of people who want to go and have an adult experience at the parks. Okay. You know, it doesn't have to be raging alcoholics, just, uh, you know, adults go there. There's conventions at a lot of these hotels. That's something that, that you know, 
before in the in the before times was a thing where companies <laughs> would have conventions at the parks. And my idea is basically this. So this very large bar, it consists of multiple rooms. Each room is representative of a park. Okay. And each room has a actual physical bar in it that has multiple sections, and each of those sections represents a land in the park. Okay. So each area would be Is your themed. idea to build Disney World just as a bar? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's a really bad idea when you really think about it. If there's anything that Walt might have been I want off to gut on out it, all the ride vehicles and just put bars in there. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't want to gut any, just add bars to everything. Okay, got it. But in any event, um, what this would be, so you can imagine the Epcot room. So there would be a, the future world area is the one that I spent the most time thinking about, but you can have sections of the bar sort of branching off from the center. sort of the way if you go to the wave, you know, they have little rooms that are off to the side that that's sort of how I envision it, where you sort of compartmentalize this so that you can have different areas of theming, but there'd be continuity because each of those different areas is representative of a land in the park. And, I'm sort of stealing here from the the, uh, Space 220 idea, where around the outside of this bar, I would like to do what they do in the People Mover and have models of the original attractions as they were conceived that you could look at. So that would be the history part. And then, of course, the music there would be the, you know, attraction background music, um, the TVs, you know, there'd be some sort of entertainment component there, as there is in many, many bars. But it would be a very visual heavy, so that you didn't necessarily have it have any audio component of, you know, a professionally edited and produced documentary about the history and evolution of that particular area of the park. So if you wanted to go into the Horizon Room, which would obviously be a very popular one and one that would probably have to be relatively big, you would have the Horizon model that they built back there, you know, behind the glass, behind all the booths. You'd have imagery on the screens that, that of the photos that Disney took of constructions, not the ones that we've all seen on the internet, but ones that are, yeah, you know, of a better quality. Yeah, um, because I, I think that the the historical information on the parks that that Disney has is so valuable in a sentimental way to guests and it's it's really an untapped resource i think and not everybody can go to california and go to the archives i don't know if they're even open anymore uh or, you know right now but so that's the, guy. <laughs> so that's the basic idea for the theme and then i would have some some other sort of uh sorry s- sorry siri thinks i'm talking to her um <laughs> some, uh, some other sort Hi, of siri. Uh, <laughs> accoutrement that I would have is my, my Siri just chirped by the way <laughs> <laughs> have you ever been to a restaurant where they have like a model train nope. running around their perimeter oh, sorry. I, again thinking of the before times <laughs> so back when you could go to restaurants yep. occasionally this probably only happened two or three times in my life but I've, they've had like an LGB scale train running all around the all the way around the perimeter I would love to have a you know, professionally designed scale monorail. I don't know what the train's sexual orientation has to do with it, Josh. We're going to get more <laughs> letters. And- <laughs> For you. Send those to Tim. I'm talking about a monorail here. Okay, sorry. So, uh, you know, a monorail that would go around the perimeter or maybe even through the middle of the room on a beam that was uh, suspended from the ceiling. Does a monorail going around my Christmas tree count? N- but the problem is Disney's for a company that loves exiting you through the gift shop, they actually suck at merch, in my opinion. Yeah. You can't. You can buy a very crappy toy monorail, <laughs> but you can't buy a nice scale monorail. 
why i don't know back when i was in a model railroading and had a you know very big expensive railroad in my house i would have paid very good money for a real monorail. they don't have it but the point is i'd love to see it so if i could go to this bar and there's a monorail that runs us through through this thing that would be awesome i'd like to see the same thing with a skyway a, you know a true scale model skyway that runs through this place for people like us this would be a definite must do just to, sure. to see these things. And I also think that it could turn a lot of, I think there's a lot of people as adults who still think of Disney as being a place for kids. They don't realize the the richness of history and technological innovation that's there. And to me, I don't know why you wouldn't want to tap into that interest in people that would otherwise not really appreciate all the things that that place has to offer. So in addition to be a place where they can make some revenue by selling booze, I think it's really a place where they could showcase some things that may not have another place to go. Um, what was the thing? I think it was in the studios. Uh, there was like a little bit of, a little Walt. <laughs> no, 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 no. The, the Walt exhibit, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it's still there. Uh, it's, it's called okay. Walt as he presents now. Oh, Okay. Um, so some of those sorts of things, but that's just, you know, sort of tucked away and nobody knows about it, but why not showcase that? I I really think that Disney has such an incredible history and they're, they're so instrumental. They, they did so much that was innovative and still do, um, to showcase that history and put it on, on display in a place where you can hang out, spend some money and soak it all in. That's, that's the basic gist of my idea. Anything that that has a bar component to it, in, in theory, is going to make money. In order to get Disney to play up the nostalgia, they do it from a merchandise standpoint, but very rarely, if ever, will bring something back or celebrate the nostalgia in anything other than like a very short-lived tribute, like they did with like the Epcot 25th Gallery, I believe. And why do you think that is? I think they... Well, I, I think the current administration does not understand uh, the history of the parks or appreciate the history of the parks uh, other than to the extent that they can monetize it. So in this case, and this is exactly what um, what Matt was asking us to do, we were, we were all going to go with classic Epcot or go with uh, these yeah. types of classic attractions in some way, shape, or form. Not ben, I'm guessing. Okay. Oh, boy. The, why, why didn't I give you <laughs> mine? It's like demolish Epcot, <laughs> build the wings, etc. Mine is not as as anywhere near as in depth as Josh's, and I think, and it, if anything, it probably complements your your idea. Oh, thank you. I always and like I a do, compliment. I do say um, the obvious answer is to steal from classic Epcot or to go through Ben's approach of finding another way to fuck up Epcot. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, my suggestion here is for something similar to that. I'd put it in the I'd put it in Disney Springs. I think that's a logical spot for yeah, it. I, I forgot to say that. That that's I think that's probably the right place for it. So so anyway, Matt's suggestion, I'm going to draw from that, where let's take all of Josh's ideas, but your seating options are going to be different classic ride vehicles. Um, so your entrance can be through a larger vehicle, like say the Nautilus or a monorail. Uh, your drink names can be inspired by references to extinct attractions. Uh, yours, your idea was substantially more organized. One than flaming horizons, please. <laughs> there you go. Um, but I, I like the idea of utilizing, uh, classic ride vehicles and you probably have to assemble them uh, or or recreate them in some way, shape or form or make them larger so that they're suitable for actually consuming a beverage. And 
uh, not like. Uh, I don't know that the Horizons vehicles are actually. They may be good because they have a uh, uh, the panel that uh, that you choose your own adventure at the end of it. You could probably remake that so that it's flat and you can lay a drink on it. But uh, a lot of other ride vehicles wouldn't necessarily be conducive to uh, consuming a drink. Uh, but, world. But, but if anything is inspired by uh, old ride vehicles, I think that would be pretty obvious. And just kind of use that as the, uh, as the seating component to it. But if you're putting those in the appropriate sections, as, uh, as Josh outlined, uh, that's kind of where I was going. So I didn't go much deeper than that, um, but I think I didn't. I don't think I really needed to because Josh, your idea really spelled out how I would uh, how I do it. I just add the ride vehicle component to it. Woohoo! All right, Ben, how are you going to fuck up Epcot? Yeah, I'm curious here what Ben's got. All right, so <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> I'm a- multiple throat clearing is not a good sign. <laughs> the maniacal laugh does not make me feel good. I'm not gonna lie. My daughter does the same thing when she's up to something, Ben. <laughs> I don't think this is that bad. Uh, okay. It does take place at Epcot, though. <laughs> you are uh, selling it well. <laughs> I, I am a, as much as I love Disney, I am also a huge fan of Las Vegas. Okay. Uh, if, if you don't know that about me already. And, you know, Vegas. You're going to have a dead Donald Duck and animatronic in this, aren't you? <laughs> eh, maybe. Uh, so. Mr. Papa Giorgio, your <laughs> you room, sir. We, we didn't even talk about Grand Fiesta Tour. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. We did, we did mention that. <laughs> not not all is well in the world. <laughs> RIP, guys. Uh, it, you know, in Vegas, some of the things that I absolutely love are, are the atmospheres that they create. Uh, you go to New York, New York, and you go inside and you feel like you're in a New York City block. You go to, you know... Um, uh, uh, Paris, same deal. You go to Caesar's Palace, the forum shops uh, at Caesar's, and they've got these wonderful effects uh, that essentially, you know, make you f- make it feel like it's night when it's day, and it and and well themed and created and stuff on there. So, just a, just that's basically a little bit of the background of of where I'm coming from with this idea. The other part is I live in a world where I think that they took all of the sets from the Lights Motors action stunt show and kept them in a large warehouse. Okay. As ridiculous as that sounds, uh, and if you remember those set pieces, it, it's it was made a, a like a, a a small Parisian village, Paris. And so my thought is, with the new addition onto Ratatouille, uh, and and the addition that they made back there, and there is some still some space back there, uh, and and from somebody who's been to Paris uh, and, and been to these you know older cities in France and Italy and stuff. It, it lends itself to explore. It lends itself to walk down alleys, walk down quiet streets. My thought is, what if you walk down one of these quiet streets that was an addition built behind uh, what they've added back into the France Pavilion now, and day turns to night, and you walk through this door, and you're, it's an indoor setting, but they use those set pieces from the Lights, Motors, Action show to cre- recreate a French town square that has a winery, that has uh, the little walk-up counters that you experience when you're in France. Uh, but it has that it has that feeling of night. It's almost like the Mexico Pavilion. I love walking into the Mexico yeah, Pavilion yeah. early in the day. Uh, similar to Diagon Alley. I was uh, going to say I'm also Nocturne Alley. <laughs> Nocturne mm-hmm. Alley over there. In, in the way the experience on that, I would love to... You know, and, and we've talked about it before in in the past on World Showcase how we love to explore those pavilions. Well, mm-hmm. what if we actually got to explore a little alley that led into a much larger indoor experience? That yes, it turns itself. It's nothing more than a than a, a, a 
really, really well-themed bar, but it it's not your typical bar. Disney doesn't do anything typical. So recreate it in a sense where uh, it mimics what you would experience in these cities. But I love that day to night aspect. We get it at night, but now that the park's all closed, like at four in the afternoon, uh, we don't get to see the pavilions at night, you know, at dark as much as we uh, like to. I'm being pretty facetious there with my response, but it's actually uh, not that far off when seven <laughs> o'clock closings uh, during times of the year when the sun doesn't go down super, uh, super early. So, uh, uh, it's kind of a dumb idea, but it was the one that hit me that was outside of, you know, recreate, you know, putting the normal, yeah. yeah, putting an old attraction in there. It, it is utilizing old attractions, uh, yeah. so it does stay within the parameters of the uh, question. I don't uh, think Matt expected a lights, motors, action idea, but... <laughs> I, I didn't either. When I, it, was, I sure it, didn't. Was, it was either that or I was going to recreate the bar from uh, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. <laughs> Your jerks uh, show up in a car just blasted <laughs> the table. <laughs> <laughs> it, it comes with it, it comes with a court where there's two rooms the bar and then the courtroom next to it that you get in trouble for uh, driving drunk but there you go. uh the DUI so experience either one of those two but no I, I thought it could be a cool way to add on to what they're already plussing at the france pavilion and uh utilizing set pieces that were actually very well themed that that the one thing that you didn't lack on that show was the what you were looking at it looked really cool uh <laughs> and, and they did a great job of setting up and giving that feel uh for for what they were uh, where the scenes were supposed to take place. And so, yeah, I obviously they destroyed all that when they tore it down for uh, Galaxy's Edge. But in my little fantasy world, there's a big-ass warehouse with these huge-ass set pieces in it that we could uh, maybe use a few pieces from and, and create a nice little uh, wine bar uh, mm-hmm. in France. Just take them from uh, Studios Park in Paris because yep. they're, they're doing work in there. But, yeah, I honestly, like, if you – Gave us the original elevator pitch of I'm gonna use uh, I'm gonna use shit from Lights Motors Action. <laughs> uh, we would have laughed at it, but I think it's a great how? idea. It's I really a for me, Doc. <laughs> <laughs> when you went when you said about the transition from nighttime to daytime, uh, it prompted something that was that's kind of a running inside joke in my family. Uh, there is a uh, video clip and you guys may have seen it of animals talking. And it's a, uh, like, I don't know if it's like a crow or something like that, where he's covering his head with his wings, and the narration is nighttime, daytime, nighttime, <laughs> <Yeah>. daytime. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I think that it's. So Ben and I had, both went with Aquatopia the first time around, and uh, Josh and I uh, hit it. So clearly I'm the unoriginal one uh, with these ideas, but I certainly <laughs> welcome. The, uh, the those types of questions uh, that both Matt and Bruce asked us because it does present us with uh, totally different ideas. I wouldn't in a million years have come up with uh, what Ben just came up with from a lights, murders, action standpoint. That's As why a wise man once said, "All of us are smarter than any of us." <laughs> yes, uh, I th- I think that is going to wrap the show today. Uh, if you have any questions or topic ideas, you can email us at martycalled at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter under the username at martycalled or join in on the discussions in our Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash martycalled. We would also appreciate our listeners bookmarking our Amazon affiliate link over on martycalled.com. Valentine's Day is coming up, and the best place to buy jewelry and sex toys is on amazon.com through our affiliate link. That's doesn't true. It doesn't cost you anything, but helps fund the show with purchases you're going to be making anyway. Ben, where can we find you online? You can find me on Twitter under my new uh, Twitter handle at backside underscore water, and you can find going my- a different direction there. <laughs> I did too. I was like, whoa, Expl- double explicit tag. That's that's my OnlyFans account. So guys. what happened to the other one? 
Uh, a long story that we'll save for uh, when the recording stops. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but, Stay tuned uh, after the music for Ben's debauchery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, uh, I got caught. No, um, and you can find my top ten in every issue of Attractions Magazine. Josh, where can we find you online? Utilidors.com. Two O's is better than one. Uh, you can find me at WDW Theme Parks. Uh, the voice of the Murderous Bride recently found me. Hi, Kat. Uh, and you can find me WDWThemeParks.com. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a good one. Good night. See you guys at my Lights Motors Action Bar. See you at the Storium. Damn it, Josh. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to do a natural segue here. (laughs) Nobody knows that we break this up into two different parts. Except anyone who's listened. (laughs) Yes. Uh, I do a a seamless job of combining the two. You're a seamless Uh, job. It it is uh, anytime you hear me saying, um, that's a separate separate (laughs) thing. That's the that's the way. So there are 946 different recordings every time that I say the word um. What, on the show. what, what immediately comes after the word um is Tim going to pee. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Every time. Every time. <laughs>